The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Bobby Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hi everybody, this is Dr. Ray. You are listening to a least worst of The Doctor Is In. We have no best of, but this is truly one of our least worst. All right, let's answer your question and give you some good news. Yeah, I was afraid you were going to say that. I'm on her side, and I don't know exactly what her side is. I think you're totally spot on with that. I sound inept just to help you out. It's been a rough week, thanks to your advice. Are you a regular listener to this program? As much as I can be. There's your problem. I would not ever disagree with you because you're so smart. You have a lot of answers to a lot of things. You don't want to listen to me on the radio. So what do I do? I can't give you any direction. Thank you for empowering me. I needed that. I'm losing you, buddy. I don't know what you're trying to say. Well, uh, do you know somebody who does? Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. How could you be afraid of getting good news? I said, let me give you some good news. He said, I was afraid you were going to say that. Maybe he wants bad news. Actually, if you're a Christian, you really got the good news. Good to have you with me. I'm Dr. Ray Garendi. Program is The Doctor Is In. A name given to this program many, many years ago by Jerry Usher, former host of Catholic Answers Live. Works this way. There is a simple number. Nah, it's not simple. It's 10 digits. 877-573-573. 7825. Now, I said that pretty fast. If you're not familiar with the number, there's no way you're going to remember it. 877. That's easy enough to remember, right? That's one of the toll-free little digit groups. 877-573-7825. All right, that's easy enough to remember. Teresa Tamio was 78 when I was 25. That's very easy to remember. 877-57-EQUAL is the acronyms we have chosen. Probably the best ones we could find. I've had other people send in other acronyms, but we're sticking with that one for the moment. If you'd like to call in, question about something in your life. We had a whole bunch of people on the lines yesterday when we had to leave. And if you're around, if you're hanging around and you want to call in, please do so because you're first up. And in any past show, if you were on the line, you have to be on the line at the end of the program. You can't call in and then drop off with three minutes left in the program and say, I was on the line. No, you have to show some endurance, some tolerance of my bloviating to earn your spot first up. So that's the first thing. Second thing, if you have a question about something in your life, particulars maybe, people, places, things. If you have a generic question, something about faith and religion as they collide or as they cooperate, I like those questions. Had a couple of those yesterday. If you disagree with me, you're immediately put to the front. I had a couple of those yesterday, and that prompted, no, it was two days ago, because yesterday I spoke about what you can give up for Lent, giving up complaining. Today, I really would like to extrapolate from some of the things that I said that essentially kicked a hornet's nest. I really didn't understand that. Although from the email that I've gotten, it seemed like the majority understood it and accepted it and agreed with it. 
So let me give you the number one more time, 877-57-EQUAL, because I fully expect that this will prompt some of you to weigh in. I'm working on a book, and in the book, early on, I make the observation that our language is very extreme. We use extreme language. So extreme that we really don't have any words left to describe God. My chicken sandwich is super amazing. He doesn't have behavior problems. He has behavior disorders. He doesn't have a temper. He has explosive personality disorder. Our language is extreme, and it drifts towards the pathological labeling. And one of the terms that I cited in my book, not published yet, is emotional abuse. Now, abuse is a very strong word. It's a scary word. When you hear abuse, come on. If we were going to use the Freudian word association test, and I said abuse, tell me the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear that word, it'd be pretty serious stuff. Sexual, physical. Well, abuse now is more often linked to what we call emotional abuse. Mistreatment. Nastiness, mean-spiritedness, put-downs, insults, offenses. Now, someone might say, no, 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 though, though, that, those are not as serious as emotional abuse. When I use the word emotional abuse, I'm really talking serious stuff. And I made the observation that, to some degree, all of us have within us the ability to not allow someone to emotionally abuse us. Now, somebody called in and said, well, what about kids? I said, okay, you're right. Not kids. Kids are vulnerable. Kids are susceptible. I'm talking adults. When somebody is mistreating you, and most of the time, I got to tell you from a shrink's perspective, when people describe emotional abuse, what they're really meaning is uh, verbal mistreatment. It's something that, that is, is either in their minds extreme, very hurtful, very insensitive, and so they label it emotional abuse because that is the term we now use. And one of the points I made was not to trivialize the fact you're being mistreated, but to recognize that at some level you still have the ability to mitigate the effects either for the moment or long term of emotional abuse. Now, there were a couple of calls that said absolutely not absolutely not you don't if people are going to treat you that way you have to re- you have to have a certain personal repercussion to this words words used are wound uh reverberating long term never get over it effects and i remember saying if if now whether psychology acknowledges this or they don't A major premise of therapy is to help you get over whatever it was, whatever quote-unquote trauma or mistreatment or emotional abuse. The, The goal is to help you get over it. And for Christians, our goal is even more clear, which is by the grace of God and the soul shaping of the Holy Spirit, we can move beyond that stuff. And I 
I was surprised to have people say, no, you can't. In so many words, they said, no, you can't. What, what do you mean, no, you can't? That's like saying, I'm done. If I had the terrible misfortune to have a very, very ugly childhood, I'm done. I'm done. I am doomed to live the rest of my life in various states of misery and sadness. My wife said to me, Ray, don't don't make it sound like you're trivializing the treatment. And I'm really not at all trivial. Like, come on, I'm a shrink. I see it every day. I'm not trivializing it. I'm saying that we generally, I think this is a safe general statement. We really don't give ourselves enough credit. And by extension, we don't give God enough credit to help us overcome this stuff. Let's say you're in a marriage, and this is most often where I hear that term used. You're in a marriage, and you got a spouse that's just nasty, critical, puts you down, insulting, lack of respect. And you see it as, I'm, I must, therefore, be miserable. I must. Who wouldn't be? Well, at some level... You don't have to be as miserable because you still have the ability to look at this other person and think to yourself, you got a problem. You are insecure. What is your point? That's the point I was making is that emotional abuse can be tapered. It can be it can be lowered its effect, its repercussions, its reverberations can be lessened by the way we choose to react to this. We're not automatic. If A happens, then B, and there's no way around it. That's not true. No therapist would tell you that. Pretty much no therapist anyway. They might acknowledge that they understand why, in fact, you're reacting this way. But they would also then say, what can we do to help you get past this? I thought that was a very understandable way of looking at the term emotional abuse. But I was kind of surprised at the folks who said you're, you're not recognizing what it can do to people. Oh, I certainly do recognize that, perhaps more than you do, because i <laughs> that's my living. But I also recognize that not only our own internal resources, but if you're a Christian, you got God helping you to get past this stuff. And I know many people who have had absolutely horrific experiences growing up, or even as young adults, and they can be among the most well-adjusted people you ever saw. How does that happen? How do they do that? Obviously, it must be possible. Survivors of concentration camps, survivors of torture. I had a guy on my TV show who was, for six years, tortured at the hands of the North Vietnamese. He is a very faith-filled man. Guy Gruders. His story is very powerful. He talks about the hatred he had 
for his tormentors. And then he realized he had to get over that hatred or all it would it would destroy him. And he's now very faithful. Well, he, he I think probably grabbed onto his faith a lot more in the prison that he was in prisons. But now he's just grown closer to Christ, ever closer. How did how did he do that? I mean, he had emotional abuse beyond anything that most of us could comprehend. When we talk emotional abuse, we're talking words. His abuse was not only words, but all manner of trying to break him down physically. So, I said I'd uh, talk a little more about that. And if you want to weigh in on that and tell me where I'm missing it, where I'm falling short, I'd love to hear it. Now, wait a second. Let's talk this over. I'm not a rabbi for nothing, you know. I think I have a solution. Just wait a second. Don't let everyone else get all the great advice. Call now to speak with Dr. Ray. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. Do you remember writing your Christmas wish list as a child? In developing countries like Haiti and Guatemala, children don't make Christmas lists, and they don't expect Christmas gifts. All their parents earn must go to food, shelter, and water. Can you picture the joy of surprising a child with their first Christmas gift? Send them a box of joy at boxofjoy.org. A rosary and the story of Jesus is included in every box of joy. Give today at boxofjoy.org. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. Have you ever been so grief-stricken and so heart-sick that you can't see God? You can't see God in the tragedy. You can't see God in that cross. You can't see God in that sick. Why? You're enveloped in that grief. You're enveloped in fear. And God is out the window. You don't see Him standing right next to you. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you feel as though life is flying past you? Are you desperate for a way to find moments of peace and quiet? Lord, teach me to pray. The free Ignatian prayer series will open your heart to His voice, to the peace you are seeking, and the only love that fulfills the human heart, Jesus. God is calling you to true joy, knowing Jesus personally. Lord, Teach Me to Pray is free. Go to lordteachmetopray.com, click on the red box, order the Lord Teach Me to Pray series now. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. You're listening to the least worst of The Doctor is In with Dr. Ray Garendi. So please, no calls at this time. My wife and I went to this nice little place. It's a restaurant. And I wanted a half a, a half a glass of red wine. So I said to the waiter, I said, uh, I'll take a glass of red wine and uh, give me the cheapest you have. Because to tell you the truth, I can't tell the difference between an 1817 Chateaubriand or whatever those would be called and... Uh, 2040 mad dog okay this young lady well maybe maybe she's um well i'm gonna refer to her as young lady jeanette from north dakota she did email me and she has an aging mother who doesn't like her parish priest okay that's not so much of a shock but she also thinks that he's not really ordained 
I'm sorry, it's Janelle. Forgive me. Didn't have my glasses on. Hi, Janelle. Dr. Ray here. Hi. Now, it, it sounds like you're saying she's getting a little delusional about this. You know, frankly, Ray, I don't know what to think about it because I try to remind her that hate begets hate and that he's still a child of God and that there are good and bad priests out there all the time. How many times do you think um, you've said that to her? Just once or twice. <laughs> oh, that's not bad. Um, How old is your mom? But she's 89. And she thinks and, that he's not a priest. Right, because in her eyes, um, priests should be preaching about marriage, abortion, things like that. Has um, your mother always had this mindset toward priests that they're not fulfilling their uh, obligations from the pulpit? Has she always had that mindset, or this is something new? This is something new. Okay. The, this is why I asked you to call. Okay. Is your mom showing any other signs, uh, being forgetful or getting a little confused, or maybe trip switch on her personality, anything like that? She, yeah, she she is somewhat, you know, forgetful at this age. And um, But I think the one thing that set her off is he said he won't listen to anybody else's opinion. It's his way, and that's it. Did, and did that he, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did, you, did you hear him say that? I did not. And she says he said that? Yep. Any confirmation that he actually said that, other than she saying he said it? No. Okay. I, I. She just said, you know, the parish people have stopped giving to the church at this point because they don't like him. I don't know and can't know what's going on, but I think I can offer you a, a couple of possibilities. To the degree that your mother says... He shouldn't be a priest because he doesn't act like a priest. That could be just her upset toward him. If she says he's not ordained, now that is very likely a loss of touch with reality. So you only you know that. If mm -hmm. she has never really been this hard on priests, and this is really the first time in her for 89 years, and I'm sure she's run up against priests she disagreed with before, but she's never been this harsh toward them. There right. is the possibility that being 89, she's not thinking clearly. And for you to try to argue with her or correct her, you're probably wasting your breath. So that when she says this, I wouldn't try to keep engaging her because all she'll do is dig her heels in more, correct? Pretty much. Yep. We're just trying to like try to dissolve it. No, you're not gonna. Because first of all, if it's if it's neurological deterioration, you're not gonna. And second of all, even if it's not, and she's absolutely convinced this guy shouldn't be a priest. And you try to talk about how she needs to have tolerance and forgiveness and understanding, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And all she does is argue back with you because you don't know what you're talking about because she goes to that church and you don't. 
Uh, mm-hmm. You're you're just you're going to just have a conflict with your mother. That's all. Okay. When she goes off, you just kind of look at her and say, "Mom, too bad you feel that way. I'm going to pray for him." But I suspect yeah, I, if, if I suspect, and I can't diagnose from here, but I suspect if she really thinks he was never ordained, and if she really thinks that in fact he said, my way is the only way and I don't listen to anybody else, I would wonder her connection with reality on that. Yeah, it's a small town, and there's lots of talking, I guess. And I don't know if she heard that from someone. Yeah. I assume she did. I don't believe Yes, bottom line is whatever's going on, I'd quit arguing with her. Yeah. Forget it. You're, you're just going to make her bad. <laughs> All righty, my dear. Thank you for the call. Thank you. All right, honey. Bye. Bye. i got to push F5 here on my computer. There we go. Yo, there it is. Oh, my. As Andrew said, we've got a lot of folks who want to talk. Okay, let's go to Caleb because, I, I again, I figured I, I would have, this would happen, that, that indeed that he wants to weigh in on this whole um, emotional abuse term as it relates perhaps to trauma. Hi, Caleb. How you doing, sir? Okay, what's up? So I might—I'm going running through the mountains, so I might cut off. But um, I haven't been through much trauma. Um, I'm not a professional, um, but I have read a lot of scriptures. And words can't really do too much because you have the whole um, Ecclesiastes where it says to every season, right? So there are seasons of life that has, God has you die on the cross for our sins. Even though Jesus didn't deserve that to happen. So you know there are things we got to go through that words can't change. So you still have to go through the feelings, even if you have all the answers. But some of the answers I come across in my life with my pain was, Ooh. I mean, and it took a lot for me to learn that. Caleb, I'll tell you, we lost you, and you were saying something significant. You said uh, some of the things I had to go through for my pain, and then you dropped for about three seconds. What were you saying? Um, these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Um, the scriptures puts love as greater than hope. Um, and we always, like, turn people towards hope, and there is a lot of hope. If you, if you look at scriptures, you know, he will dress himself to serve. There's a lot of healing that can happen there, but I think the most important thing that God... We're losing Caleb. He keeps coming and going. Yeah, I'm going to have to let Caleb go. Christian! From Colorado, you got a situation where you think your wife. Now, I'm. This happens in divorce situations, but I'm going to assume you're still living with your wife. Hi, hi, Christian. Hi, how you doing? I'm sorry, oh. I missed the first part of what you said. I am not living with my wife. Okay, so that's the that's by far the more common thing that I see. How often do you see your 12 year old daughter? Every other week, I have her. So I have her for a week. It's a week on, week off. Okay. How do you know? How do you know your wife is trying to uh, push her away from her Catholic faith? Well, there's there's a couple things that happen. Um, one, she, she took her to a traditional Chinese medicine person uh, for some problems with her stomach that are her doctor said were related to stress, um, and 
uh, you know, they did some energy field testing. Uh, secondly, she told her it's okay to have sex uh, outside of marriage as long as she keeps my ex-wife um, up to date on what's going on. Uh, let's see. She also told her, um, I don't know, there's, there's a whole list of things. Apparently, apparently, your your daughter has told you that she has done these things. And so, my daughter told me about the sex conversation. My ex-wife told me about the Chinese medicine, uh, to, you know, and she put her on herbs and all this stuff. Okay, so. stay there, Christian. And by the way, if you can, roll up your window because we're getting quite. We're getting this. That's my imitation of a window rolled out. The binary choice between life and death is the engine that drives the entire story of human history. It's there in the garden where Adam and Eve made the wrong choice. It's there in the days of Cain and Abel when they have to choose between right and wrong worship. It's there with Joshua in chapter 24 where he says, choose this day whom you will serve. And the binary choice is there with King David when Bathsheba catches his eye. It's there in Proverbs 14:12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And it's there in Jesus' teaching. Will you build on the rock or will you build on sand? And when we talk about imitating Christ, we mean that we want to be like Jesus, who always makes the right choice, choosing God above created things. He chooses life, and for those who follow him, he promises abundant life, even eternal life. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. How does one describe Christ's relationship to his church? The Catholic Catechism says Christ is one with his church. He is the head, we are the members. Head and members together make up the whole body of Christ. Head and members form, as it were, one and the same mystical person. St. Joan of Arc put it very simply to her judges. She said, About Jesus Christ and the Church, I simply know they're just one thing. We shouldn't complicate the matter. The Catechism also refers to the imagery of the Bridegroom, the theme of Christ as the Bridegroom of the Church as two in one relationship. Just as in marriage, two become one flesh, the church is portrayed as the spotless bride of the spotless lamb. Christ has joined the church with himself in an everlasting covenant. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. The Doctor is in with Dr. Ray Grandy will commence now. We assure you that this randomly selected program is one of Dr. Ray's least worst. Dr. Ray Grady here on the Doctor's Inn. Big screen radio, high definition radio. Pugnacious, truculent, mellifluous, pulchritudinous. That's about as high definition as you're going to get. Good to have you with me. I'm talking to Christian from Colorado. He has 50% custody with his 12-year-old daughter's mother. One week on, one week off. He's definitely getting more and more indication that the mom is not raising the daughter in the Catholic faith. Or if she is, she's massaging it however she wishes. Christian, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. 
Well, now you got a chance because you are able to, and in a way, this kind of good news, because you're now able to entertain, invite your daughter's confusion and give her information, give her reasoning, give her logic, give her maybe a book that can straighten it out. Yeah. You know, for example, small thing. Well, not a small thing. Your your ex-wife has said, I know people get upset when I say ex-wife on this program, but I, again, I'm just going to use that term loosely. Your ex-wife has said that you can have relations before marriage. To a 12-year-old, she said this. Now, most people yeah, would she, think... I think she meant to be, say that was later in life, uh, too, maybe... I'm, I, I didn't. Ask, I asked my daughter how old she goes. I don't know. A teenager. Okay. So, yeah. so, first of all, you ask your daughter. Well, what do you think about that? You. Uh, what do you think about having those kinds of relations with someone you may or may not marry? And then you can certainly look up. There's a ton of research. Uh, Father Robert Spitzer has a bunch of it, which says what happens when you have relations before marriage. What it does to your marriage if you do get married what it does to your self-image, what it does to the odds of being divorced, all kinds of things. There's all kinds of societal, social, behavioral, emotional, religious ill effects, all kinds. So you can point those out to your daughter. This is a chance for you to be able to hear what your ex-wife is saying and to counter it, to say, okay, well, that's how mom thinks. Let, Let me... Let me give you what the church says and why. Let me tell you why the church says this. That's what I would do. That's all. That's all you can do, really, um, yeah. because if your daughter is going to say, "Well, I'm 15 years old now, and Mom says I don't have to go to church when I'm with her," then you can't do anything about that. But when she's with you, you can say, "Well, here's why we're going to church. Here's why we go to church. Here's the reasoning for this. Here's the thinking. Here's the good that it'll do." That's Christian. Yours is probably the number one complication that I see in divorce situations. Very different parenting styles. One extremely permissive, one very secular, one non religious, and the other trying to raise the child with some stability and morality. See it all the time. That is, that's why I tell people, you, you're going to get divorced. You better be thinking about this because you're going to lose pretty much all your leverage in raising that child. You're going to lose a lot of it. All right, my friend. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it very much. Um, let's see. Okay, we got an anonymous caller from Iowa. She says, I got to calm myself because, you know, these people are using this language all over the place because we live in a culture that now even our quote-unquote uh, leaders and our high-profile people and our pop culture people, they do nothing but pepper their language with vile, vile words. You there, female from Iowa? Hi. Yes, Dr. A. The Holy Spirit is speaking through you. You've, you've really, this was meant to be to talk to you today. Well, I don't know if I go that far, but uh, hopefully <laughs> the Holy Spirit's keeping me from saying something too stupid. I'm just hoping that for myself. So you got people that are cussing pretty badly around you. Um, I don't know if I'd say cussing. They just know the, the so it's a, a mother-son relationship. And um, so my mom was 
physically and verbally abused as a child, and she hasn't learned how to develop proper boundaries, and so she takes and takes and takes, and then she just takes so much, and then she just explodes. And um, and then my brother, um, he just has always been a very argumentative person, and he knows exactly the words that will hurt my mom the most. And I feel like so you're saying you want to you want to get what he wants. You want to stop them from mistreating each other, not necessarily mistreating you. Right. And just, I was just oh. in general, too. Oh. Yeah, you know why I'm laughing, don't you? We've I'm not been, laughing at you. We've been I'm laughing at your hopes. That you, yes, exactly. Yeah. No, I emailed him, or I texted him today. We're going to start the novena to Our Lady on Tire of Knots. And, and they're so willing to do that? One. And they're willing to do that? My parents are. My parents are definitely. They they say a rosary every day. They just never knew about the lady. But um, but your 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 brother your brother is he willing to do that? He hasn't responded yet. Okay. So he kind of for just this past weekend kind of acted like he was done trying. He says she's too old to change, and uh, yeah, and just was given up. He says that we just enable her. Um, to act this way in exchange for gifts or whatever, which is not true because that's not my love language. But it seems like the one person you can impact is your mother. If you're saying she's okay. willing to pray, if you're saying she's willing to listen, you're not going to alter her personality. And to some degree, right. your brother's right. She is who she is. The problem is he doesn't accept who she is. He can't handle it. Right. You can. You can say right. that's my mom. I know the way she is. Mm -hmm. Uh, she's had a rough childhood. She's had a rough life. I got that. So I, I got a, a fair amount of tolerance for mom. He doesn't. He fights her. So at this point, uh, you can be the softer offspring. You can be the one who says, Mom, still love you. Mom, we'll pray together. And you can help her when he writes her off, which it sounds like he's getting ready to do. Am I wrong there? Yeah, no, you're right. Okay. So she's going to take it very personally. She's going to be hurt. She's going to be devastated. Mm -hmm. um, you can help her out. You can say, Mom, I haven't written you off. Um, for whatever okay. the reason, he he just doesn't get along with you well. You you guys kind of butt heads. And if she if she honestly asks you, well, how can I reconcile with him? You can be straight with her. You can say, well, Ma, here's what you do, as I see it, when you clash with him. And you could get away with that with me because I'll I'll just forgive and forget. But with him, you he won't. So you realize you got to be on much better behavior around him, because otherwise right. he'll write you off. Right. And if she says, "Well, I don't care. I don't care. Good. I raised him. I didn't. I didn't do anything to deserve no, this." No, she she says that, but she does really care. It would break her heart. Okay. It really would. Then you you she help her. One that's you, on the way. So you you help her to understand that to get along with him she's probably going to have to be the one to change she's not not going to get him to change he says well you know she is that way and i'm getting sick of her so, so why can't he change because well, he doesn't want to I, I say to him i said he well, doesn't want to um so I said to Nate, I said, or to him. Tell you what, honey, this music means we're going to get we're going to get cut off. So that would be my suggestion. I wish I could go further. You can call back in the future. This is Dr. Ray. Thanks for joining me.
Connection with Teresa Tomio. The church isn't saying throw out the baby with the bathwater. Throw out all the media. Don't use the media. What the Pope is saying that make sure that what you are doing is enabling yourself and others to encounter Christ more deeply. And you can't do that unless you reach out. You have to reach out to God first. You have to encounter him in the Eucharist, in that personal relationship. And then you pray, you reflect, and then you go. In my book, Beyond Sunday, Becoming a 24-7 Catholic, I talk about the three M's of faith, meeting, mercy, and mission. You meet and encounter Christ. You enter into a personal relationship with him. He gives you mercy. And then what do you do? You just sit there and say, oh, thanks, Jesus. See you later. No, you go out on mission exactly as the woman at the well did. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Father Benedict Rochelle. There are legitimate differences of opinion in any religion. There are differences of opinion in Catholicism. But in Catholicism, you expect that people will take the teaching of its supreme authority seriously. To go diametrically opposed to those teachings is to not be a Catholic. Someone in the name of Catholicism is sponsoring the destruction of human life, lives of unborn children. And they got the name Catholic on the door. The highest authority in Catholicism and the encyclical Humanae Vitae, Evangelium Vitae, is absolutely clear that no Catholic can support abortion and that Catholics are responsible to take serious action against legalized abortion. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. You're listening to the least worst of The Doctor Is In with Dr. Ray Garendi. So please, no calls at this time. I appreciate you joining me very much. Thank you for keeping me company with your calls. Allie is calling from Columbus. And God just ain't doing right by her friend. Thanks for the call, Allie. You're welcome. Can you hear me? Yeah. So your friend is saying that uh, he's starting to doubt God's goodness? Yeah, his... His presence, his goodness, everything. He was, like, suicidally depressed for, like, 10 years, and he doesn't understand why. Like, he prayed and prayed, and he was, like, almost obsessive about praying and reading the Bible. He said it didn't make him any happier. God didn't answer his prayers, so what's the point? Mm. Where is he now with all that? Well, he's doing better with his depression, um, but he still, like, isn't happy with his job. He doesn't really have friends besides me. Um, and he just doesn't, He does, like, he, does, he looks around, he doesn't really see a lot of good in his life or God working. He doesn't see things working out for the best. So he's been this way for years and years and years. Yeah, he said he would go to, like, spiritual retreats, and he would see everyone else experiencing God, and he said it never happened to him. Did you tell him that God's not an emotion? I never told him that. 
he seems to think that uh, that somehow he's going to be overwhelmed with this uh, sense of emotion of God's presence. Uh, at some point, he's got to decide, and he can look at the evidence, there's plenty of evidence, that God exists. And if if God exists, and you can point this out to him, if God exists, then whatever is happening in his life, he can't blame on God. It would be easier for him if God didn't exist, because then he could say, well, life is just a bad bowl, and I got a bad, I got a bad batch, and uh, okay, life's, life is tough, and then you die. But if God does exist, then he's misunderstanding God. I would point out to him that emotions don't define your relationship with God. I mean, it's part of it for so, some people, but go ahead. Why should he, he wants to know why should he follow God if he's, he's not getting anything out of it. He's not hearing from God. He thinks God doesn't love him. I guess I would ask him, how do you know you're not getting anything out of it? What would it be like if there were no God? How do you know what you would be like? And then I would also ask him, I say, well, do you expect God to change you against your will? In other words, God will work with you, God will help you, but he, I would think, would want your cooperation now he's going to say i cooperate like crazy i've done everything i can do i've done everything god's asked me to do what does he what more does he want from me that's probably what he'd say right yeah mm. huh? i've heard him right um i would say something to the effect again is he seeing a therapist at all yeah he is okay well then all you are is a good friend because you you can't be a therapist to the guy Right. The guy's he's had, a, he's had a long-standing unhappy life. Now, whether it's biochemically based or not, whether it's just a result of a, of a horrible history and he keeps piling one bad decision upon another, I don't know, obviously. Uh, it sounds like you're saying this guy has just not lived life well in a whole bunch of ways, and the natural outcome is he's depressed about it. That summarizes yeah. it? Okay. Yeah. I would say to him, I'd say, well, given that you're not happy with life, why would you want to write off the one thing that could eventually help you, which is God? Well, he says it's not helped him for his 30, however many years, and he said his life was worse when he was following God. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess the only thing I'd say to that is I think you think God had something to do with that, and he didn't. Okay. You know, you're, you're, my, my, when I followed God, my life was worse. Well, I guess I would say to him then, so are you saying God exists? If you say, I followed God and my life was worse, are you saying there is a God? And then, if you're saying there is a God, but he's not helping me, why do you believe this? How do you know he's not helping you? How do you know that you're putting forth the effort you could? How do you know that you couldn't live better if you 
didn't think God is going to make it all all right for you. I mean, he's just got a lot of bad ideas, and I, I hope that the therapist that he's going to has respect for his Catholic faith, because if the therapist doesn't, then the therapist would probably view this guy's belief in God as hurting him. Oh, no, the want... therapist is... Yeah. Okay. So therapist respects his his moral religious viewpoints. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Because otherwise, you know, if the many therapists are out there thinking, you believe in God, that's part of your problem. Right. Good luck with them, Allie. You're 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 in a, a real complex complex situation. I'm a therapist, and I get folks like this, and and I I sometimes get frustrated because they just don't want to move. I'm Dr. Ray. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. Do you remember writing your Christmas wish list as a child? In developing countries like Haiti and Guatemala, children don't make Christmas lists, and they don't expect Christmas gifts. All their parents earn must go to food, shelter, and water. Can you picture the joy of surprising a child with their first Christmas gift? Send them a box of joy at boxofjoy.org. A rosary and the story of Jesus is included in every box of joy. Give today at boxofjoy.org. Christ is the answer with Father John Ricardo. We just did our parish mission a couple weeks ago now, and I suggested that in the course of the mission that we do something like a, a little mini spiritual assessment of our lives. I don't have to show this to anybody, but a great chance for us just uh, with real honesty, just between us and Jesus, ask ourselves some questions. First question, given the fact that half of Catholics don't think God is even personal, would be to ask ourselves that. Do I think God is personal? And then to ask myself, do I think a relationship with Jesus is possible? Do I have a relationship with Jesus? And if so, what's it look like? And then perhaps a little bit more awkwardly or painfully to ask Jesus from his perspective, what's the friendship that we have with him look like? How would he describe our friendship with him? That might be a hard conversation to have. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. And I'm Lisa Popchak from More to Life. Would you like to have a better family life by Christmas? Join us Monday, December 4th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central, for our free webinar, A More Peaceful Family by Christmas, A Catholic Parent's Guide to Advent. In Advent, we're called to make more room in our hearts and homes for Christ. Discover how the grace of Advent can help you celebrate the loving, faithful family life God wants for you. And it's free. Just register at catholichom webinar. That's catholichom webinar. See you there. You are listening to a least worst of The Doctor Is In. We have no best of. You know, it's one of the very common life situations where you have a friend that you care about a lot and their lives are miserable and they're complicatedly miserable. And there are so many things going on, you don't even know where to begin. And you can get very frustrated because you're trying to help and it seems as though they resist you. They, they will tell you why they can't do whatever you suggest. Therapists get frustrated with that. People will say to me, are you ever at a loss to be able to give somebody some guidance? I say, not usually. I said, but I'll tell you where I am at a loss. I can't give them the will to do it. Marie from Missouri, she was um, 
prompted to call in because of the whole notion of uh, emotional abuse and our ability to heal from it. Hi, Marie. Dr. Ray, how are you? Yes, I was prompted and listening to the past callers, and I wanted to tell you thank you for your awesome advice. You are 100% right, because where there is God, and I want this last caller you just spoke to who had the friend that doubted that God was there, I waited as a Catholic, a cradle Catholic, for 18 years in a very bad marriage that was very abusive, and asked our Lord for help, stayed in this marriage with children, and he finally had an affair, which ended up being a great gift. But I want to say our Lord, I cried out to him for healing during that whole betrayal process, and God came through 120% and gave me a healing. And I want to let anyone out there who has experienced any type of trouble, depression, violence of any type, to never give up on God because everything happens in His time, which is in the right time. And I ended up, through the power of adoration, I was a perpetual adorer, and still am, and went to Mass Pentecost Sunday and was miserable during this divorce process, and I, my children were with their father at the time, and went to my knees just asking our Lord for a healing and had begged him for the past three months for that healing in the past over 17 years for a healing to get out of this situation. And after receiving the Eucharist, I heard a small voice say, tell the priest your name. And I went up to this priest finally after the church had emptied out, and I just told him my name. And he said, come with me. We need to speak. And he said, tell me what's going on. And I told him, and he said, ask me the name of my church secretary. Well, the church secretary had the exact same name as me. And he said, that is an affirmation that our Lord has heard you and has come to heal you. And he ended up being a healing priest. And he said, the voice you heard, tell the priest your name, was the Holy Spirit. And he said, listen to that. And he stood up, and he told me to stand and he put a blessing on me and a healing, which I've never experienced in my life. And at that moment, I received a new heart. And I asked our Lord constantly for a contrite heart to be able to forgive this man who I had been with for so many years. And I started over, Dr. A, with a new life, a new heart, received an annulment, received everything I needed from the court and our Lord took care of me. And it took 18, 17, 18 years of trusting and going to adoration and going to Mass and knowing He was there and kept me afloat and alive and able to still be a good mother. And thanks to our Lord Jesus Christ, I am remarried, started anew, have a new life. And I pray for my children. It wasn't easy, but I want anyone and everyone out there to know that our Lord is always there. It's not in our timing. It's in His, and never to give up on Him. Marie, thank you. Thank you for obviously a very heartfelt call. Now, you said something interesting. You said that uh, that uh, <clears throat> I was uh, speaking by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, but I didn't say anything. You were the one speaking by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, not me. I, just, I was listening by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, which is very hard for me to do, by the way. I can only listen for so long. 
but you made me listen the whole time. Marie, thank you for a precious call. Thank you, dear. Okay, I got to add something to this. They say that the universe is uh, roughly, they estimate, 13.8 billion, with a B, years old. The Earth, roughly about 4 billion. Now, time is something for us. It's not something for God. God created time. Even the really smart astronomers theorized that time was created at the beginning of the universe. Like the old joke, what was God doing before the creation of the universe? Nothing. He didn't have the time. And as I look at the time frame of God, as it translates to us, I realize that, uh, as Marie said, I, I can't sit and go, well, it's not happening when I want it to happen. It's not happening as I want it to happen. Now, if there is a God, one thing I know for sure, he's infinitely smarter than I am. That would only make sense then that if I pray to him and I trust him to to work things out for me somehow, some way, and that doesn't mean I'll understand them, doesn't mean I'll like them. Someday I'll see the reason for him if I'm with him. But I have to keep reminding myself, as Marie said, our timetables are really, really different. I mean, you're talking with someone who created a universe time-wise 14 billion years ago, and you're talking to us who, if we live a long life, we have 80, 85 years. Uh, That's like an infinitely small percentage i've come to realize as i've gotten older and you have to live long enough to realize it doesn't happen in your time frame i don't understand why certain things happen as they do i don't understand why there is what there is on our earth but i guess i've i've come to understand that i have to just trust that he is just one whole lot smarter than I am. One whole lot more merciful and one whole lot more just. And if there is the best way to deal with a problem, as we pray about that problem, thinking we know the best way to do it, and God's going, no, not really. You really can't see the future. You don't know. Then I got to trust that. That, that's my job, is to trust. My job is not to say, he's, you know, I rang the bell and he just hasn't come running. What the heck is going on here? What kind of God is that? Controls everything. Well, let me control him. Thanks for joining me. I'm Dr. Ray Grindy. I appreciate you very, very much. Andrew Kruchek doing all you do over there at that end. And Ave Maria as we link up with the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Walk with God. That means you got to trust him. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.